first in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to hear uncensored ideas and opinions, to think your own thoughts, and to say what's on your mind. We couldn't have liberty without it. Now, more than ever, it's good to spout off, to listen, debate, and participate. Here's your host of Spouting Off, commentator, columnist, and all-around rabble-rouser, Karen Cataline. Well, good afternoon, Nashua, New Hampshire, and all parts listening on the internet here on Spouting Off. Uh, and we're wrapping up a week. I can't even remember if I weighed in on this silly, ongoing, petty and pathetic, but fascinating little brouhaha with the Oscars. I wrote an article about it. I almost feel dirty discussing it because it just keeps going on and on. And But the fast, the thing is, it's, it's quite fascinating. So if you'd like to read it, I would love for you to read my take on it. And of course, it's an ongoing story. We now find out that the Academy Award uh, uh, people asked Will Smith to leave and he refused because, you know, you can do that if you're a privileged celebrity. You can't do it if you're a, a normal peasant like the rest of us. When you're asked to leave, you better leave or you get let out in handcuffs. After all, you know, you might get called a uh, domestic terrorist for speaking up at a school board meeting. But if you run up on stage and slap somebody because you don't like what they said, you don't have to leave because you are a star. The arrogance of these celebrities is not to be believed. I think the great majority of people, uh, do I know this for sure? No. Uh, believe, feel that way. I used to love to watch the Oscars, but I assiduously avoided it. And I knew if there was anything newsworthy, and there always is, because celebrities want to lecture and dictate to us what we're supposed to think and believe, and we'll get to that in a moment. Um, I knew I'd find out about it uh, eventually, and it didn't take long when I woke up the next morning. Uh, my husband and I watched a terrific movie. Can't remember it at all. But, you know, one day if we get more call-ins and by the way, if you want to weigh in on anything, I don't care if you disagree with me. In fact, I love when you disagree with me. Uh, 603-816-1590. If you're listening live at 1 PM Eastern on Tuesday or Thursday, or even on Friday, there's a different number on Friday. Uh, and, so the story continues to go on because people love a controversy and a brouhaha that um, helps them avoid other more pressing issues like our very own uh, unelected and elected bureaucrats telling us, warning us that to expect food shortages. Now, in years past, they would come to our try to quell uh, uh, fear and, and discontent and, and even uh, conflict in the country by being a leader. Nowadays, they warn you of all the miserable, rotten things they're going to do to you and to the country so they can absolve themselves of responsibility. See, I warned you. I warned you there would be food shortages. I mean, this is, these, this is what passes for leadership today. 
But let's get back. Uh, if you'd like to read my take as of yesterday, and uh, it's called "There Is No Woman, But You'd Better Defend Her Honor." I mean, it's about the phenomenal, unbelievable cognitive dissonance that you have to live with to be a liberal or a leftist in today's world. Uh, on the one hand, you're celebrating the first black woman this and the first woman that, and everything is the first, the first trans something. But there is no woman, but that doesn't bother me because I never ask questions. I mean, that's what you're being asked to believe if you believe any of this leftist claptrap. And interestingly, celebrities who make a fortune in our free market system or what used to be, don't ever ask questions. No, they just jump on the latest bandwagon because their job is to read lines and to take on personas of other people. I know I used to be in that profession on a much smaller time level. I did musical comedy and musical theater, that sort of thing. And, and most of them don't know about life outside of uh, their job, which is to rehearse other people's words and lines and songs and lyrics. I, let me not be quite that cynical. I have a lot of respect for talent. I just wish they would stop telling us what to think. And it usually only happens with celebrity, with uh, this constant arrogance. And after all, you know, the two people involved in this little brouhaha were both black, but I've already seen how uh, white people have been blamed for it. You know, it's always going to be white people blamed for it, no matter what happens, because if you are black in this country, regardless if you have millions upon millions of dollars uh, in any field or profession, regardless of what it is, you still get to be a victim. You still get to be oppressed. Anything to take responsibility, to avoid taking responsibility. And that doesn't serve anyone, especially the truly wonderful black families that are trying to teach their kids and their families values while the culture teaches them that they're victims and they don't have to take responsibility for anything. It's, it's crazy-making stuff. And that's not even the half of it because in, uh, uh, at the Oscars, the other thing I read that just frost my frosts my buns. Can I say that on the radio? Yes, I can. Uh, is this complete wraparound smear being done to once again smear Ron DeSantis, the most popular and wonderful governor in the country? That's why they hate him, because he stands up to the left. He's a great governor. He just signed this bill that the left has such problems with. And now just, just remember, I know I said this on Tuesday, they dubbed the bill, the don't say gay bill. And now they're fighting against that bill. And that's what they said in the Oscars is gay, gay, gay. They're telling us we can't say gay. So we're going to say gay, gay, gay. That is a complete outrageous bald-faced lie and propaganda as to what the bill is about. What they don't want you to know is the bill is about not teaching sexual material and grooming children K through three. You know how old a third grader is? We're talking, I don't know, six or seven. I didn't figure it out. They 
are for teaching pornography, propaganda, sexual deviation, sexual proclivities of whatever it is they want to teach to six-year-olds. And that makes Ron DeSantis evil, evil, evil. Now, the real heartbreaker here, and there's so many after you get past that, is when you realize that, you know, Walt Disney, who was apparently quite the anti-Semite, that was for another era, but Walt Disney created a legacy of some of the greatest children's programming in history of America, in, in history and in America. And it was exported to the rest of the world. And I don't have to tell you all the great Disney, uh, uh, legacy characters, you know, from Snow White to, uh, Pinocchio and the death of this company is truly heartbreaking. They've killed Coca-Cola and that's what happens when you go woke, you go broke. And I hope Disney goes broke because Disney folded like a cheap cartoon suit. Um, and there were like what a hundred employees who decided to bully Disney and Disney's already incredibly woke, not to mention that Disney employees were arrested for human trafficking not long before the don't groom little kids bill, which is what it really ought to be. Don't groom little kids. And because the thousands of Disney employees wanted to quietly uh, do their job and not get involved in politics, as our friend Drew Allen said in one of his articles, a uh, hundred people at Disney are, are uh, turning Disney and I'm sure they're getting a lot of pressure from the insane lost their mind left. I can only hope and it, and it breaks my heart. Uh, I mean, I, I don't care about Disney anymore, but I will not, uh, I will not patronize anything Disney. I don't want Disney on my TV screen. I'm not going to subscribe. Not that I ever have Disney is now the epitome, the, the exact opposite of what it claims to be. Just like a good many corporations in, in which we are headed towards corporate fascism in this country, the government uses giant corporations that the left used to hate, and that's why they went after them, so that they would fold and, and, uh, and play ball with the government. Did you follow that? Remember when Walmart was hated by the left until all of a sudden they started playing ball with the government and now the left loves Walmart. You never hear them standing up for the mom and pop stores that they used to. No, they want to shut down the mom and pop stores because that hastens, our, uh, hastens us on the road to socialism and corporate fascism. So now the big corporations the left hated are now doing are acting as proxy for the government to do the government's bidding, including VAX demands, VAX mandates, 
um, uh, folding when a hundred employees at Disney tell them who they will and will not support politically. You will not support this person because he votes this way, but you will support that person because he votes that way. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And then to add insult to injury, these bullying dictators claim victimhood. I don't know. It sounds a little like Will Smith. Now, I don't know if he's claiming victimhood. I mean, he did finally apologize. But the chutzpah, I'm allowed to say that, the chutzpah, to be as obviously flawed a human being as so many celebrities are, we're all, as they say, have feet of clay. But to have some people appoint themselves our betters, they're usually more flawed than anyone else. So I guess my message in this segment here is not to believe anything you read or hear. Don't believe me. And certainly don't believe the pablum that is being handed to you spoon-fed. Do I know if this whole thing on Sunday night was was a put-up job because I read afterwards that uh, Pfizer actually has a drug in development for alopecia. I don't know, but I do know that we are being used as pawns and as gullible fools to swallow the propaganda that is being fed to us en masse. Not only that, but nobody is your better. They all have feet of clay. And, and I, I uh, don't mean to insult your intelligence by giving advice, but, you know, I like giving advice sometimes. The good thing is you can take it or leave it. Uh, opinions are like rear ends. Everyone has one. <laughs> In this case, though, a lot of people look up to people who are famous, who are um, wealthy. And I guess the message that I could give more than any other is something that comes directly out of Judaism, which is monotheism. Don't make a God out of anything, least of all a human being. Don't make a God out of your job, your wealth, someone else's wealth, someone else's recognition or celebrity. It's fine to admire someone, but Americans do make gods uh, or, you know, uh, they worship certain celebrities like they have that preposterous uh, um, uh, royalty in Britain. And, you know, we left Britain for that and more. And now we see just how much people are desperate to make gods out of things. You know, God admonished us about that again and again and again and again. So don't let anything be God but God, whatever you conceive God to be. Anyway, that's my opinions are like rear ends advice for today. We have a wonderful guest coming up. I'll tell you about them in a moment. Karen Cataline, happily ensconced here at 1590 AM WSMN and 95.3 FM, um, as well as on your favorite podcast whenever you find me. Uh, We'll be right back after this.
You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Hello, I'm Mike Vindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep? Call or go online to take advantage of my best offer ever. For a limited time, when you use your promo code, you can get premium MyPillows regularly $69.98, now only $29.98. That's right, only $29.98. That's the lowest price ever. I tried every pillow from expensive down pillows that just went flat to fiber fill pillows that rebound every time you move your head. I even tried those memory foam pillows and the curve did not match my neck and it probably won't match yours. That's why I invented my pillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. When I got my pillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. My pillow has a 10-year warranty, it's machine washable and dryable, and I back them with my 60-day money-back guarantee. Call or go online now to take advantage of my best offer ever. Use the promo code to get queen-size premium MyPillows regularly $69.98 for only $29.98. Get king-size MyPillows for just $5 more. It's the lowest price ever. This is a limited-time offer and not available in stores. Don't delay. Order now. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Welcome back. You're listening to Spouting Off here on a Thursday, the last day of the month. I don't do April Fool's, do you? You know, every day feels like April Fool's these days. I'm I'm waiting to wake up uh, from a bad dream, but we're living in a bit of a bad dream and it's testing our character, testing our um, uh, spunk and a whole bunch and our faith, all of that. Uh, let me tell you very quickly about the last spot when they said, when you use your promo code, well, guess what the promo code is that you can use to order my pillow. It's Ram R A M like the Ram's horn Ram. R-A-M, just go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-867-0416 for the best deal on MyPillow. Now, uh, you know, I have said for a long time there is real evidence that the government is turning against the people at the behest of unelected hidden power players. I mean, a lot of people don't want to say that, even pundits that I interview. Don't really want to say that, but this next guest of ours is a national security correspondent and has an example of just this right now. He's the national correspondent with the Epic Times, which I am proud to subscribe to. He has written two in-depth pieces about what appear to be 
FBI right-wing infiltration operations can, and, and that's patently illegal and abuse of power, is it not? Ken reports that the FBI incited the groups to violence. A whistleblower from the operation came forward and spoke about this, but apparently he's had to go into hiding. His name is Ken Silva. Welcome, Ken Silva, to Spouting Off here on WSMN. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, you heard the whole intro. Um, do we have a government and an FBI that's turning against the people? Yeah, so there's a lot of conspiracies and theories surrounding the events of January 6th or the so-called plot to capture Michigan's governor. Um, you know, people on the left can probably poke holes in those theories because we don't we just don't have all the details yet. So my stories, I believe, provide historical context by describing a 1990s era FBI right wing infiltration operation called PATCON. It was a Patriot conspiracy was the full term. And this entailed three FBI agents literally pretending to be domestic terrorists. They created a front group called the Veterans Aryan Movement, pretending to be uh, skinheads who robbed banks to fund their domestic terrorism plots, you know, through the proceeds of crime. And the significance of this operation is that it never resulted in any major arrest, which, as you say, that means it was essentially a giant domestic spying operation on America's uh, right-wing movement. Mm. You know, before we go into that, so what you wrote about is something that happened in the 90s. Before we go into that, have you done any research on the Charlottesville thing, which I have felt for a long time uh, smelled fishy? Um, uh, again and again. I mean, I, it's just so fishy, and there was just enough information for people to read into it what they felt like reading into it based on their own political ideology and not based on the facts of which there was very little. Uh, do you have information on that or have you done any research on that one? Uh, I do not. I don't have any information that would suggest Charlottesville was any kind of federal uh, secret operation to try to provoke violence. I will note that I, I believe the, uh, the right wing groups that marched did have, they did take out all the uh, protest permits and things like that. And for some reason, the police kind of directed them on a clash course with the left wing mm -hmm. protesters. So, you know, you had issues with coordinating uh, the protest and keeping it peaceful, which is like local law enforcement's uh, fault based off. Oh, my let let me just say real things. quick, I don't want to be misunderstood. I wasn't sure. suggesting, and I guess I got off the track here a little bit. I wasn't suggesting that the FBI or another government agency did it, but that the left themselves planted these folks in order that the clash uh, uh, occur so that they had talking points. So that is a little bit different. Most Americans mm -hmm. are just gobsmacked really at the amount of propaganda that we've been subjected to for uh, such a long time that we have difficulty being able to uh, unwrap or unravel. So let's go back to this uh, situation about which you wrote in the 1990s. Help us unpack that just a little bit. 
Sure. So all throughout the 80s, there were a bunch of uh, those economic hardship in the heartland. A lot of farmers lost their property. There were a lot of uh, Vietnam veterans who felt betrayed by their country, like they had been left behind. Uh, these uh, these people, these displaced people, formed uh, their own militias, and the, the the militia movement really started to grow, which you know concerned government because there was a lot of anti-government rhetoric coming from those people. Uh, but then they set up this PATCON operation, and they they created a fake militia that was actually run by undercover FBI agents to investigate uh, potential threats against FBI agents. Uh, they did not find any concrete evidence of crimes, and yet they kept the operation going for uh, another, at least another year mm. or two. Again, they were essentially doing intelligence gathering, spying, no, not law enforcement. Mm. It smacks of the old Soviet Union, doesn't it? Isn't that what they well, used to do to their political opponents? Sure. So the the plaintiff in a case, a lawsuit related to this PatCon program, he's seeking more records about it. His name's Jesse Trenadu. He gave me a quote that I like that I really like to repeat. He says the only difference between the FBI and the KGB is that the KGB never claimed to be a legitimate law enforcement operation. Oh wow. Wow. <laughs> yep, there you go. I don't know what you go. And that's that's true, you know, in our media, people claiming to be objective journalists who are nothing more than uh, opinion journalists trying to push an agenda. Um, well, that's an and, element of the story. Oh, I apologize yeah, for interrupting. You just hit, no, no. you hit on a really key point, though, that is an element of my story. All ah. this stuff about <laughs> PatCon came out in 2011. A whistleblower came out. Him and Jesse Trenadu gave the story to Newsweek. Uh, the reporter did a really good job, I know, because I obtained a copy of the uncensored article. But if you go to Newsweek.com, you'll find a heavily watered-down version that doesn't mention PatCon or any connections uh -huh. to McVeigh or the Oklahoma City bombing. So not only do we have government suppression, but we also have media censorship involved in this PatCon operation. Well, and the media censorship has only gotten more brazen uh, in uh, in ways that are that are really jaw dropping. I mean, and, and given that you have a sense of history about this that some of us don't have, like I, I the word I used was gobsmacked when you watch <laughs> them do it in plain view. They're not even hiding the fact that they're going to censor you if you do not. Uh, 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 put out an opinion that they agree with, which is antithetical to everything that it's American. Um, you know that this has been, there's been a history of this. It's only now being exposed today in a much greater way. Uh, kind of weird. I'd like you to embellish a little bit, but don't you think, or do you think that this is fundamentally a good thing? That although it's ugly, horrible, and nasty, it's good that we're shining a light on it, including the articles that you've done and the research you've done. Well, the reason the information is only coming to light now is because government's still trying to uh, suppress the, the issue. So, mm. as I mentioned, John Matthews, the PatCon, former PatCon operative, FBI informant, came out as a whistleblower. They tried to give the story to Newsweek. Newsweek published a gutted version that didn't really tell readers anything interesting. So... The whistleblower agreed to testify 
in Jesse Trentadue's lawsuit against the FBI over Pat Con records. The night before he was set to testify, July 30th, 2014, he calls Jesse and he says, hey, I'm out. The FBI told me that if I testify about Pat Con, I'm going to end up another homeless Vietnam veteran. So sorry, he's disappeared. Mm. He's under, gone underground. This isn't just Jesse saying this. This is in sworn court declarations Jesse made to the court saying the FBI tampered with my witness. Now, this has been under investigation since 2014, like seven, eight years and running. The case is still sealed. Uh, there's gag orders. Jesse will not tell me what's going on because he can get in trouble. But this is still an, uh, under investigation. This 1990s PetCon program is still very much relevant today. Do you think that is uh, what they were doing on January 6th? I couldn't say for certain. But I know that Pat Con was never exposed while it was running. It ran in the 90s. It didn't come out until 2007 via a Freedom of Information request. And even those records are heavily redacted, so we don't know much of what they say. But that leads me, if, they, if, if Pat Con was never exposed in the 90s, then why would they get rid of it or do any internal reforms when there's no public pressure? So I don't have any evidence of this, but I think it's very reasonable to assume that Pat Con, uh, it evolved or there's a new strain. I mean, I found something called uh, the FBI had VATCON, Violence Against Abortion Providers, where FBI agents infiltrated right-wing groups that were supposedly going to attack abortion clinics. And of course, the three percenters militias that were evolved, involved in January 6th and the Michigan governor kidnapping plot Three state chapters of the three percenters were run by FBI informants. FBI set up their Facebook pages for the three percenters and had FBI informants as the administer, administrators of these Facebook pages. So, yes, it very much seems to me that PatCon is a uh, is a playbook. Maybe they changed the word salad or whatever letters they're using, the acronyms. But uh, we, we've seen this time and time again. Hmm. There always seems to be the same strategy, and that is, I mean, if you look at kind of the leftist perspective, it's to make people who are perpetrators appear like victims. You know what I mean? So if they trump up, pardon the not really intended to be pun, if they trump up violence towards abortion clinics and abortion clinics are the ones they want to build up and build positive support for. Well, they have to do a Jesse Smollett, don't they? They have <laughs> to manufacture violence towards their uh, intended uh, ally because that's how they roll victimology, victimhood. If you can claim victimhood, people are going to feel sorry for you and they're going to support you. Isn't that kind of the strategy here? Yeah. And you don't have to inject politics into it. I believe this is just people trying to make careers. You know, the FBI, they want flashy headlines. It's one thing to make sure the trains run on time. It's another thing to expose a juicy plot to kidnap the governor. They get the good headlines, they get bigger budgets, people get promotions, you know, everybody's happy. Of course, the Constitution's trampled in the process, but, you know, don't worry about that. 
Um, so, yeah, yes, I agree with you. And there, there's a common playbook. I mean, I, I, we're talking about Pat Kahn that's used against the right wing. But there's a book, uh, Tucker Carlson's talked about this, uh, called Terror Factory, that a journalist wrote about FBI entrapping Muslims and, you know, talking to this camera, say you love Osama bin Laden type of thing, say you're going to bomb the Sears Tower, oh, now 20 years in jail. So they try to build the cases uh, for that, too. And, of course, under J. Edgar Hoover, these type of tactics were used against uh, anti war protesters in the 60s, Martin Luther King, Black Panthers. So it's all ideological stripes and colors. This is just uh, uh, corruption, plain and simple. Mm. Boy, it is that. And it's there's never seemed like more of it than today. But again, we're just shining the light on what has been there all along. Ken Silva, keep up the great work. Can you tell us where they can read your stuff. Uh, the Epic Times is epic. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> publication. Uh, I highly recommend it because uh, they're actually doing journalism. And so are you. Tell everybody where they can find and follow you. Well, thank you very much for the kind words. I could tell you what your listeners can do. If you go to Twitter, you can search hashtag PatCon. Uh, the Epic Times, search for PatCon. Uh, that's the key. I want to make PatCon a household name among the conservative movements because there might be conspiracies about January 6th, but if the left tries to poke holes in that, you know, say, what about PatCon? We know this mm. to be true. It's documented history. It could be the reason they're trying to put it down so that people don't uh, ask any more questions. Ken Silva, that we're out of time for this segment. Thank you so much for joining us here on Spouting Off and uh, keep up the great work. Anytime. Thanks again for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. Well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about things nobody really wants to talk about. And that is the supply chain, which is going to lead to what they have warned us about food shortages. Stay here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Catalina. Are you tired of the same old snacks? Looking for something a little healthier than that bag of chips or candy bar? Even your average bag of trail mix these days is little more than peanuts, raisins, and candy-coated chocolate. Not very healthy, is it? Allow me to introduce you to White Mountain Munchies. Made from 100% all-natural ingredients, White Mountain Munchies combines unique flavors with nutritional value that will tingle your taste buds and strengthen and sustain your overall health and wellness. Eating good never tasted so good. From Maggie's Maple Madness to Hannah's Heavenly Harvest, Grayson's Getaway Goodies, and our limited edition Christmas blend, Jacoby's Jolly Jumble, White Mountain Munchies offers nutritious and delicious snacks that the whole family is sure to love. Pick yours up now through our easy-to-use online store at whitemountainmunchies.com. White Mountain Munchies, non-GMO when you're on the go. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Welcome back, everyone, to Spouting Off. It is Spouting Off's Friday. That's not really true, because we've got another episode tomorrow, Friday, at, uh, you can just tune in, same time tomorrow, on my website, uh, KarenCataline.com. Well, 
liberal pundits and journalists have claimed that Russian President Vladimir Putin, of course, you know, he's responsible for everything, including the uh, trains not running on time, like we heard last time, uh, is the catalyst for rising costs of American goods, including gasoline and uh, everything else, which is preposterous, and most people know it because this all started before all that, but now they've got someone to blame. Here to talk about it is uh, Salvatore, otherwise known as Sal Style. I hope that's how you pronounce his name, is the founder, president of Alba Wheels Up International, a prominent international shipping and customs clearance company. Alba Wheels Up is committed to striving that their client shipments will be on time and be in compliance so their goods will arrive to market efficiently and reliably every time. Boy, we love that. Salvatore Styles, welcome to Spouting Off. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And actually, you did pronounce my name correctly. Oh, wonderful. Sal, <laughs> that's great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I not only want to talk about the supply chain, but also now we've got a president. Maybe I'll start with this. We've got a president who, instead of trying to quell fears, and of course, I believe he's a presidential potted plant. I think somebody is directing his administration, and we don't know who that is because we didn't vote for him. We didn't elect that those those uh, uh, somebodies. Um and that is that now they're warning us that there's going to be food shortages in America, America's breadbasket, and it's all the fault of Vladimir Putin. Could you comment on that just to start us off? Well, let's just say, I mean, all the fault. I mean, if you look at statistically, uh, you know, how much food comes in from so many different countries and the major producer, I guess, what's in Fern, uh, what's coming from Russia, is really not food products, more Ukraine for wheat products. But I think that's a, a little overreaching to say that the primary problem of not having food on the table is because of Vladimir Putin. Uh, maybe if you're getting engaged and you want a Russian cut diamond, that may be another issue. But the food, I don't <laughs> buy that. Yes, but they are telegraphing that to all of us because they seem to be uh, not that you can really comment on this. It's just I'm waxing philosophic. They seem to be quite invested in keeping people terrified, scared, and trying to balance on one foot. Uh, this is not an administration in a time in which our government has our best interests at heart. Talk about the supply chain, because a lot of people before now, we were spoiled and we believed America, you know, we ha we were a first world country. Now it's feeling like maybe we're not so much anymore. Uh, explain this to us, would you? Well, uh, not to get into the weeds unless you wanted me to. Uh, oh, no, get before. in the weeds. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, I'll get into the weeds. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, um, we, we, we're, I feel that we are not uh, a, a, um, a leading uh, port logistics uh, country, because let's face it, most of the ports in the United States are manually, not automated. They're run by the union. So it's a very antiquated system that hasn't changed much over the last 20, 30 years. So uh, that's the for, for starters in regards to the uh, um, advancement that we've made over the years. The other thing is, which a lot of people aren't uh, familiar with, is that how do the 11 major ocean ship lines that control 
the bulk of the cargo coming into the United States from all over the world, okay, there's only one American company, and it's very, very small. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have like two dozen vessels where all these other companies, steamship lines, have dozens of vessels. I mean, hundreds of vessels. So there's a, there's a big anomaly and difference between what's American-owned and what's foreign-owned, and that's somewhat part of the problem. How do you control a foreign-controlled company and have our best interests? How about that? And that's and that's part of the problem. Now, tell me a little bit, if you would, about Alba Wheels International and f- first how you do it and then how other companies could do it similarly uh, through no help from our government, which seems to be, if I may say, be so bold, uh, sabotaging our prosperity. I think a lot of the bureaucracy is sabotaging the uh, prosperity. A lot of the rules and regulations which our country is subject to that our competing countries aren't. Example, uh, just having um, goods taken off a container ship at the pier and then yeah. loaded to over-the-road tr- a truck to get to a final warehouse or distribution center, we need, because of weight restrictions, two trucks or one-and-a-half trucks for that container coming off. Everyone else is a one-to-one ratio. So there are so many rules and regulations that apply to us as a country, not to these other countries, that obviously you need more truckers, you need more this, you need more that, because we need more resources to move the same goods. It sounds Uh, almost as... Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. And and I was just going to say, primarily the reason why our company has been successful as an international freight forwarder and customs broker uh, is because we're an advocate, basically, for the midsize and smaller importers. Although we have several billion-dollar companies as clients, what we do is to look for the best way of getting things done uh, compliantly and using our knowledge sets to... Look, we're all going to be subject to the same issues somewhat. I can't control that a vessel sitting on the water for mm-hmm. 20, 30 days. But yeah. I assure you, when that vessel gets in and unloaded, I'm going to get it to where it has to get to quicker than most of my competitors. Got it. And what about uh, Florida welcoming uh, the ships over there since California is what we used to say in Yiddish is in drared, which means underwater. <laughs> you know, they could they could welcome the ships, but the reality is there are so many different agreements that are tight-knit between the piers, the ports, the steamship lines, the chassis. The chassis is what a container actually goes on with wheels that's hooked up to a truck. Mm-hmm. There are so many agreements that even if there are available chassis and you don't have an agreement with a steamship line to use that chassis company, you can't use it. This is a very controlled uh, industry. So just merely having a vessel go to a port that welcomes them uh, is not the solution. The other problem is where are you going to put the goods when you offload it in Florida? I mean, most of the warehouses right. are not there. You have a trucking shortage that you can't even get a truck maybe from Florida to some other part of the country uh, where the distribution center is. So really, I think that's a very um, simple-minded solution uh, that's really not effective because if it was effective, Mm. they'd be doing it now. Got it. So 
again, since the consumer, and that's mostly who's listening right now, doesn't understand or doesn't know, I don't, uh, you know, how these goods get to market other than the fact that my dear husband has been a trucker his whole Uh professional life and trains CDL drivers. And now they're finally getting their due and people are realizing that everything you get that gets to your hands pretty much comes by truck. What can you advise and educate, you know, the, the everyday consumer uh, as we enter into these very precarious times? Well, the everyday consumer really didn't have an understanding of supply and logistics really until COVID when the factories in China shut down and the U.S. shut down and they were at home. And when they used to order something and they were used to getting it in a day or two, then it took weeks or months or, you know, various, uh, they're they're fixing their home. It took 16 weeks or 20 weeks to get windows or lumber. So that's when they really, I feel, started to understand that the logistics supply chain uh, was so instrumental of getting goods. Now we thought actually that COVID was kind of over and things didn't get back to normal, but I can tell you it's not getting back to normal. Uh, this week and past weeks, there are several China ports that are shut down, including Shanghai, where we can't get goods out of the port. And what you're going to see is a lot of these summer goods, a good percentage of bathing suits and things of that nature actually come out of Shanghai is causing mm-hmm. further delays. So setting aside that, just a delay issue, all the steamship lines basically have substantially increased their rates, even from last year to all the major importers this year by approximately double. Now, most companies, especially the mid-sized to small importers, have not raised their rates last year to the consumer and to retailers because they wanted to basically appease them. They didn't want to show that they were gouging and all these sorts of things. Okay, So they were basically absorbing these rates and costs with the hope that the 2022 year would be much better. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? It's not mm-hmm. better. So now you're going to see all these companies which lost and maybe broke even last year must increase the cost this year. Otherwise, they'll be out of business. So this issue is not going to cease, in my opinion, to at least 2023. Well, and uh, there's greater demand than ever for goods because people aren't getting them. And if they raise their rates, then the government that created all this snafu and uh, complexities that you're talking about will have once again somebody to blame. They'll blame the cust- the companies for raising their rates, making difficult uh, 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 goods difficult to get and more expensive. Do I have that right? Yeah, well, I tell you that, that's true. But what they could also do is they should pause the bureaucracy and these rules and regulations that are <laughs> so strict that would make us more right. efficient and get us goods to flow quicker and so forth and so on. Or, you know what? They should try to discuss these issues with the steamship lines, even though they're foreign-owned, and try to come up to some sort of solution. Uh, The bigger issue, I feel, this is going to be, you know, the grand finale show, is Uh the International Longshoremen and Warehouse Union, which has about 23,000-plus peer workers, their contract expires in July. 
Now, oh. you tell me that cumulatively $200 billion was made last year by the 10 or 12 major steamship lines. Again, only one American. Okay. What do you think the longshoremen, and I'm not saying it's wrong, okay, because they're going to want their piece of the pie. They worked during COVID. They put, you know, a lot of effort in. You don't think they're going to want a good piece of a renegotiation for them and their families? And guess what? If they don't get what they feel they're entitled to, well, let's just say sometime in July, beforehand, a little bit afterhand, uh, maybe they just stop going to work and all those goods that are sitting on the vessels, okay, so vessels have 20,000 containers, each vessel, wow. and there are many vessels coming in, so let's figure a million containers, okay, could be theoretically sitting there because there's no one to unload them. And guess what goods are in those containers? Mm. Huh. Thanksgiving, Christmas, holiday. I'd start ordering your kids' gifts now just to hedge. Million containers. It's hard to even imagine or visualize such a thing. These massive containers, millions of them, out there, unable to unload like it was in Los Angeles. Now, I don't know. It, you well, may you, not want to go ahead. I'll you're ask right, but if you, re- I mean, million sounds like a lot. But if you have fifty vessels, which there are fifty vessels, you yeah. go look sitting out there and 150 miles off, and each has 20,000 containers. That's a million right there. You may not want to go here, <laughs> Sal. Hopefully I can call you Sal. Mm -hmm. But I have this overriding philosophy. What we have, what we're looking at is what they want. Uh, You don't shut down your own energy production and buy it from Venezuela and Iran if you don't want that. You don't make it more difficult for citizens to get goods and services, goods, whatever, if you don't want that. Do you have a comment on that? Uh, I think they don't know what they want or don't want. I think they have sometimes good intentions. They put sound bites out there, but uh, the results are really uh, fairly uh, glim. Um, I think one of the issues is what's he going to do, the administration, when he runs for office again, and you're going to have skyrocket inflation, this and that. I don't think, I think most people still vote with their pockets. And as far as I'm concerned, all that stimulus money, okay, which was extended and sent uh, to those that, you know, um, fit into receiving it, I would have rather not have the stimulus money, okay, and foregoing that instead of having this inflation. Because where do you think all the money went that you received? It went well, this inflation, of course. Went it's the same thing as doing things that increase our gas prices and then having, handing out subsidies to people so that they can pay for their gas. I mean, talk about, <laughs> you can call it stupidity, you can call it corruption, you can call it anything you want, but it ain't working. That's for sure. Uh, we have to work towards wrapping this up. We only have a couple minutes left. Tell everybody uh, a little bit more about your company and where they can find out what you're doing. So our company is an international logistics 
uh, company, which basically brings goods from foreign nations into the United States. And we're also a custom house broker, which basically means that we clear items, making sure they have the proper tariffs rates applied to them, make sure they comply to the federal code so that the goods could enter the commerce, as well as the other government and agencies such as FDA. Our strength has always been being an advocate for those companies that don't have 20 attorneys on retainer and specialists to do the things that multi-billion dollar conglomerates always are, seem to be able to do. So that's really uh, what always has been our forte. We're national. We have international presence overseas as well. So anyone that really needs someone to guide them and get through this myriad of issues, with these duties, these freights, mm. uh, that type of stuff, that, that's what we're you know, especially in. Well, where can people read more about you? Do you have a website over there well, at uh, Alba Wheels? Yeah. We have a website, albawheelsup.com. That's A-L-B-A-W-H-E-E-L-S-U-P.com. And also, if you uh, you know Google my name, you'll see me on Fox News and Bloomberg and those type of shows discussing these issues. You know, I'm a, a thought leader and really the go-to for... Uh, many media outlets stuff that has to do with supply chain and it's so true i mean people really don't understand how the goods get to their table as a city kid you know grew up when i moved further out into the county you know country not a real country you know you turn on the water and and there's water you don't understand how it got there and now yeah you you're right and explain it salvatore styles s-t-i-l-e-s sal for short Thanks so much for joining us. We so appreciate your time. Well, that about does it for the last day of March here in 2022. In times, and I, I hats off to Rush Limbaugh in times of murkiness and trouble. There's always an oasis, a place you can come to talk about it, to listen, and to communicate. And that's spouting off here at WSMN. Thanks to everybody that makes the show possible. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern when there will be lots to spout off about. WSMN 1590. WSMN 95.